Hello, music enthusiasts. Welcome to Sound Encounters, a music podcast where I explore new and classic releases, different genres, and your favorite artists and bands. I am your host, Cesar Torres. Thank you for joining me today. Wow, it is already August. Time, time is just flying by, which is kind of crazy considering how at the beginning of this pandemic, this global pandemic, which kind of is the beginning of the year, time was moving so slow. It was almost non-existent. But now that we're reaching the end of the year, pandemic's still going on. Now it's just moving faster and faster. I'm surprised that it's August already. Around this time of year, uh, in my home city of Chicago, we like to have this little get-together. You might have heard of it. It's called uh, Lollapalooza. And if you haven't heard of Lollapalooza, it's a, like I said, a little music festival where the biggest artists and bands come together to perform a, a great weekend of music. I went in 2017 and 2018, and I took a lot of photos and videos on Snapchat. And because of that, uh, Snapchat has this feature where every year on the day, they will show you like, oh, remember remember this day two years ago, three years ago? And I would see these videos of me watching Arcade Fire or Tyler the Creator or Spoon or The Shins. And I'm not the biggest fan of Lollapalooza anymore. I think I had my time with it. I think I'm, I'm done with it. But man, if those photos and videos don't get me nostalgic, it makes me miss that live music atmosphere. You know, I wouldn't mind going back to Lollapalooza now just to get that feeling again, feeling, you know, crowding around a stage and singing along till your voice is gone the next morning to your favorite songs. Now, during pandemic, it just, it seems like a nightmare. You know, we, we should wait until this, you know, pandemic blows over before live music comes back, before we can go back to concert halls and venues. But damn if I don't miss it. And I think, I think uh, by now I would have uh, ordered my Riot Fest tickets for this year. I went last year. 2019 was the first year that I went to Riot Fest. And it was, I, I felt like it was a much better investment than Lollapalooza. Because like a four-day pass to Riot Fest equals like just one day at Lollapalooza. So I'm just like, okay, you know what? Uh, I'm done with Lollapalooza. We're just going to go to Riot Fest from now on. And yeah, I, I think that was the, the smarter decision because last year at Riot Fest, there was Wu-Tang Clan, there was Bikini Kill, American Football, Blink-182, just great performances from these legendary bands. I think bands that I was way more interested in seeing than whatever they had at Lollapalooza last year. I, I don't even know. I checked the lineup once and I was just like, nah, Riot Fest is the, is the better investment for me. And I was supposed to see experimental rock band swans in june i was hoping the pandemic would have died down by june but unfortunately they had to cancel it postpone it and and it it devastated me because they were one of my bucket list bands i'm not sure if i talked about this on the show before i I think i might have actually but yeah they were they were on my bucket list and i was so excited to see them and then COVID 19 happened and uh now i'm just gonna have to wait even longer which it'll be worth it I know it'll be worth it because I love Swans. I've heard live performances. I've seen their live performances before. I just want to be there, but not now. <laughs> not Obviously not now. But I can imagine that some of you were planning to go to see some festivals or bands this summer. You know, my heart goes out to you. I understand the struggle. 
you know, I was just curious. I even tuned into um, Lollapalooza 2020's live stream that they had. They aired previous performances at Lollapalooza for for 2020 this year. And I didn't see everything. I only saw the bands that I wanted to see, like an actual festival. And uh, I tuned into Arcade Fire's performance. And all that was was their full set from 2010, right after they had released The Suburbs, which was a phenomenal time to release the 2010 performance or air the 2010 performance because this past weekend was the 10th anniversary of arcade fire's third album and so seeing them perform those new songs mixed in with songs from funeral and neon bible oh it was it was great it was a great show i wish i was there to see that i, I did see them perform in 2017 though that was a great show as well but yeah all we could do now during these times is reminisce about our live show and festival memories and experiences. You know, I'm curious and interested in your favorite live show stories and your favorite performances. You could tell me if you go to soundencounterspodcast.com or anchor.fm forward slash soundencounters, you'll see this little message button. You can record a voice message, send it to me. And if you do, your voice message could be featured on the next episode of Sound Encounters. All I need is your name and your favorite live performance, your favorite story. Do you have some crazy encounter with a fellow audience member? I know I have a couple of those. I won't tell them now. Maybe maybe later down the line. Maybe your stories will encourage me to tell my wacky or hilarious audience member encounters that I had. But God, I loved seeing Weezer live. I loved seeing Pixies live and Tyler, the creator. Brockhampton, I, I've seen them twice. They put on a good show. Just so many good memories. But yes, please send me your stories. Again, soundencounterspodcast.com or anchor.fm forward slash soundencounters. I have a great show for you this week. I'm going to finish that guide to Animal Collective that I started last week. But before that, we have to talk about this past week in music. So I actually ended up listening to a couple of singles and two LPs this past week. Starting with the singles, we have a new JPEG Mafia track. It's called Living Single. And man, he's been putting out just single after single each week. This man does not stop. But getting into this track, I really like the Rough Around the Edges production on this one. I've always been a fan of Peggy's production style. This song has this airy vaporwave-esque synths and that gets mixed in with these bouncy and bubbling synths peggy's verse talks about a breakup uh, and his flows are really stellar on here just more great material from peggy really great track another killer single next up we have a new angel olsen track teasing her new album by the same name whole new mess this one is a very stripped back and and folky song i think her singing is is Definitely the most interesting part of this track because it's it's kind of filtered to obscure her, make her sound distant, make her sound a little bit ghastly. I like it, especially when it's combined with her like woozy doo-wop singing style. It was very interesting. I wasn't really expecting this from Angel Olsen. The problem I have with this track is that the guitar strumming that's featured throughout the entirety of this track is so stagnant and it gets boring way too quickly. She tries to punch up this guitar playing at the end by strumming a bit more aggressively but that 
kind of falls flat. <laughs> I do like her vocals though and her singing style here, but the tiresome guitars will probably keep me from coming back to this track. I am looking forward to what else she's going to put on this new record. It's so soon considering that she dropped a record last year, so I'm very curious to, to see this direction that she's going in. And then finally, I listened to the new Billie Eilish track, My Future. The message of this track is really easy to get behind. She's very optimistic about her future and learning to rely on herself. And I'm guessing this is because of COVID and, and quarantining. Uh, she's learned to be with herself, and, and that's a good thing. That, that is a good thing, and it's good for her. It's funny, because when I was looking up the lyrics on Genius, one of the tags, you know, right next to like indie pop or R&B, alternative R&B, I can't remember the actual tags for the, for the, the song, the, the genre tags, but one of the tags was COVID, and I'm wondering if that's like a like a sub subgenre now. If artists talk about COVID in their music, is is it now branded with the COVID tag? I don't know. I found that very interesting. But getting back to the music, the the first half of this song is really good with its mellow and intimate keyboards and ethereal backing vocals. Billy's vocals are as smooth and sultry as ever, so I really have no complaints there. But the track really starts to pick up during its second half with its down tempo drum beat and smooth guitar chords in the background. That was a really great switch up, and it, it kept the track interesting, in my opinion. I didn't really like this track at first, but re-listening to it a couple times and, and, and dissecting it, I'm really starting to like this one. This was, a, this was a good song from Billy. Well, that does it for the singles that I heard this week. Now let's move on to the LPs that I heard this past week. This first one comes from post-punk outfit from Ireland, Fontaine's DC, their second studio album, A Hero's Death. Because it was post-punk, I was expecting a broody and somber listen, and that's exactly what I got. The main vocalist does a really great job at sounding detached in these songs, and his delivery works on songs like I Don't Belong and Love is the Main Thing, especially since those songs kind of deal with his repugnance with society and this numbness towards love. So there, the delivery and the lyrics are spot on. However, I do have an issue with the repetitiveness on a lot of these tracks. The repetition just comes off as dull and lazy. Like on the song you said, you know, I really like the shimmering and, and reverb guitars that create this nice and dreary atmosphere, but the lyrics really hold this song down as it's too repetitive and it gets too annoying. And I like the message of a song like Televised Mind, where Chatton, the lead singer, is basically saying we get our morals and ideas from the mainstream. He references television at the end, but before that, he uses Broadway and Cabaret as examples. And it sounds like it could be an interesting song, but then it gets bogged down by this repetitive chorus and refrain, which repeats the same phrases over and over again. This song suffers because of this, which sucks because I thought the percussion and guitars on this song were kick ass. I thought I would dislike the title track A Hero's Death because of the repetitious chorus that introduces the song, but it's not as bad as I initially thought it would be. I like the driving percussion and the guitars pack a punch. The lyrics are surprisingly positive and life-affirming. The repeating of the phrase, life ain't always empty, which makes up the chorus, amplifies the band's positive message on this song. I'll let it slide this time. You know, it works in favor with the message of the song, and the instrumental is great. Besides, it's a pretty catchy tune. 
for the most part, this band does a great job of recreating the feeling, the atmosphere of what a post-punk record is supposed to sound like. But overall, my main problem with this record is the lack of substance here. I don't feel like I would return to this album anytime soon, but it's not really my thing. The last record I heard this past week was What Could Possibly Go Wrong by Dominic Fike. This is the debut record from Floridian singer, songwriter, rapper Dominic Fike. I discovered him through his association with Brockhampton as they shot some videos together and he was a frequent collaborator on a lot of their songs. And it wasn't difficult to get into Fike's music as I see a lot of parallels in his and Brockhampton's music. You know, there's catchy, melodious vocals with rapping sprinkled throughout the project and an easygoing yet diverse production styles. However, I wouldn't really label this as a rap album, even though there are some verses. There are definitely more rap-centric songs here. This is more of an alternative R&B album than anything. Rhythm guitars, filtered drums, sometimes very lo-fi mixing on the vocals really make up the chemistry of a lot of these songs. And he executes this style very well on some songs like Cancel Me or Politics and Violence. But unfortunately, the rest of the songs here are pretty forgettable. We have a lot of mediocre beats, bland instrumentation, and average lyrics. There are even songs that sound unfinished or like they're half-baked ideas, like the opener Come Here, which has this ferocity to it that I wish other songs in this project had, but unfortunately it cuts off before the song can actually really develop and take off. Or the song Joey Blasey, which sounds like he combined two unrelated tracks together, which results in a very confusing mess. And I can't stop thinking that this guy sounds like Rex Orange County. It's like I'm not even listening to Dominic Fike. I'm listening to a Rex Orange County impersonator, and that really takes away from Fike standing out and becoming this unique voice in, in a genre that's already saturated with a lot of singers that sound similar to each other. The faults of this project boil down to the lack of colorful production in some of these songs, forgettable lyrics, and I, I can't get past the fact that he sounds like Rex Orange County. Definitely not an album I don't think I'll return to anytime soon. And with that, that concludes this past week in music. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, I'll go over the rest of my guide to Animal Collective. You're listening to Sound Encounters. Stay tuned. Hello, music enthusiasts, and welcome back to Sound Encounters. I stepped outside for a second, and it is really cold here in Chicago. I don't know what happened, but the weather just took a dip, and now I'm uh, getting cold. I'm getting chilly. It feels like fall, and it's making me really sad. I like the fall, but I'm more of a summer guy. I don't know about you, but I like the heat, so that's why I can't stand this dip in the weather recently. It's going to warm up soon, so I'm looking forward to that. I've gotten a little preview of fall these past couple of days, and I'm not looking forward to it. Uh, anyway... Um, before the break, I said I was going to finish that guide on Animal Collective that I started last week. Before I continue with my guide, I want to give a little recap of my list so far. So if you remember, I recommended that you listen to their 2009 album, Meriwether Post Pavilion, first. And then after that, you can listen to the EP they released that same year, Fall Be Kind. And here's where things take a bit of a weird turn, because I said... You could listen to Centipede Hertz 
and Painting With, their 2012 and 2016 albums, along with the two accompanying EPs, just to get them over with, especially if you liked Mary with a Post Pavilion and you liked that album's poppy sound. But if you chose to skip those records and those EPs, then you can move on to Strawberry Jam, their 2007 release, along with that album's accompanying EP, Water Curses. And then after that, I had you listen to Sung Tong's Prospect Hummer EP, Feels, and The People EP. What all these records and EPs had in common was that they were pretty easy to get into. They have very familiar structures. But now, now we're getting to the weird shit. Their first couple of albums were very experimental, very freakish, very outlandish, and utilized very strange and sometimes damaging techniques. I'll get to that in a bit. These albums will be great for you to listen to, especially if you want more Animal Collective, if you can't get enough Animal Collective, and want to hear more of their experimental side. All right, enough messing around. Let's get back to the list. Continuing with what I think is their fifth essential album, Spirit They're Gone, Spirit They Vanished. This album was released in 2000. It was actually released on July 31st, 2000. So this album just had its 20th birthday. If you remember last week, I had said that Animal Collective consists of A.V. Tear, Panda Bear, Deacon, and Geologist, but early on it was just A.V. and Panda. And while A.V. and Panda's names are on the record, this is really A.V.'s record as he handles the lyrics, the guitars, the pianos, and any electronics found on these songs. The only thing Panda does on this record is the drumming since A.V. asked him to be the drummer for this project. This is one of, if not their most off-putting records for the sole reason that the record starts with high-pitched frequencies that may hurt your ears. I definitely was discouraged when I put this record on for the first time as the opening track greets you with this harsh noise. However, and this will be kind of funny to say, but if you listen to the album long enough, your ears don't pick up on them as much. You kind of get used to it. And it's, it doesn't really hurt your ears as much as it's uncomfortable to listen to. And while some of these tracks do have this high pitch frequencies, it's a rewarding experience to listen to because if you can get past the harsh noise, you'll listen to these beautiful melodies. For example, we have the opening track, Spirit They Vanished, which has these harsh frequencies. In fact, it makes up half of the composition here as the only other thing featured on this track are AV's vocals, which are kind of hard to make out. This album also introduces us to a common theme in Animal Collective's music, which is the loss of childhood innocence and the transition into adulthood. Spirit They Vanished sees AV talking about his childhood innocence vanishing. He was around 20, 21 when he recorded this album, and he talks about the past 20 years of his life on this record. It makes for kind of a sad listen as I'm pretty sure we can all relate to missing our childhood and feeling like we wasted our childhood and being not ready for adulthood and the responsibilities that come with aging. Then we have the untitled third track, which features another discordant electronic melody, probably harsher than the one on Spirit They Vanished, but hidden underneath all that noise is a gorgeous and moving piano melody. And like I said before, this track is rewarding because if you can get through that first difficult listen where the harsh noise just berates you, you are rewarded with that beautiful piano melody. Probably one of the more sweeter melodies, but again, it's mixed with that very harsh noise. 
Then we have songs that are a bit more on the conventional side, conventional for Animal Collective, especially early Animal Collective. We have Penny Dreadfuls, which has this slow and gentle buildup of drums and pianos. The electronics also offer this dreamy and beautiful effect to the song. AV's vocals are also soft here and only raises his intensity at the song's climax. It's a slow moving song for sure, but a beautiful one that envelops you in its sound. Chocolate Girl has a more playful and childlike melody as the pianos and synths shimmer. This is juxtaposed by AV's occasional yelling and the drums, which are mixed louder than the pianos and the synths. The lyrics seem to reference the end of childhood, innocence, and purity, and using this chocolate girl as a metaphor for AV's purity. The lyrics were a bit more abstract during Animal Collective's earliest days, and I love dissecting the lyrics, and if you're the same, it's another reason to keep you coming back to this record. It's the reason that I keep coming back to this record, along with being amazed at what they were able to do with Spirit They Vanished and Untitled, and another track that I'm about to talk about, but it's just subversive music at its best. Then we have the closer, Alvin Rowe, which is 13 minutes of chaos and beauty. The harsh high frequency makes a return for the first minute of this track, accompanying that are hectic piano playing and drumming. After this destructive playing is over, we have gentle keyboards and drumming and AV's soft vocals with a bit of a high-pitched frequency in the background. The pianos and percussion get louder and more manic as the song progresses with these brief moments that are reminiscent of free jazz. The story behind the lyrics is A.V. coming to terms with his childhood ending and having to take on these adult responsibilities. It's a lengthy track with an equally lengthy story, but the payoff is incredible. By the end of the song, A.V. is telling us and himself that despite us getting older, we never have to lose our inner child and our childlike sense of wonder and excitement. I feel like this is a very important moment in Animal Collective history as this message that A.V. is telling us is still seen in their music today. There is a childlike sense of playfulness with a bit of a dark undertone to their music. Alongside A.V.'s vocals are vibrant pianos and energetic drumming. God, Panda's drumming is just phenomenal here. This will be your first taste of how experimental Animal Collective can really get. Man, do they push it further on these next couple of records. Now, I'm not going to talk about any more essential albums. Spirit They're Gone was pretty much the last essential record that I had on my list. So these next projects I'm going to talk about, you can pretty much listen to them in any order. Starting with Here Comes the Indian, which recently had its name changed to Ark. This is the debut record by Animal Collective, and I'm putting debut in quotes because it was retroactively changed to their fourth album. This record was released in 2003, and it was the first time A.V. Panda, Geologist, and Deacon all appeared together on a project. This is hands down one of Animal Collective's most hectic releases to date. A.V. would play his guitar through a delay rack to create a fuller sound since he was the only guitar player at the time. The band would also process sounds through various effects, such as their synthesizer and a vocoder. AV and Panda would record their vocals onto minidisc and added electronic sounds along with piano loops. The drumming featured on this album is also frenetic, and the energy on this record is just so chaotic. Take Haylight, for instance, with its feverish drum playing, nightmarish sampling going on in the background, and AV and Panda screaming at each other. Or the track Panic, which is an anxious yet mesmerizing composition comprised of Panda's manic vocals. It's 
difficult to believe this is the same band that wrote and recorded Floridata. The energy here is so raw, and the compositions are so outlandish, yet it's impressive what they are able to do with their collection of sounds and audio manipulation. We haven't even gotten to the really great stuff on this record. The track Infant Dressing Table is a psychedelic ambient piece with shimmering synths and repeated vocal samples with other sounds included in the mix. Then we have Two Sails on a Sound, which is a mosaic of unnatural sounds and beautiful instrumentation. We hear these robotic vocals appear periodically, giving this track an unearthly sound to it. There's also a drone that sits at the bottom of this track to try to bring everything together. It's one of their most alien-sounding songs to date, but yet it's grounded by a beautiful piano melody that is absolutely stunning. If you like more of Anko's experimental takes, then you would definitely dig the sound on this record. This record is also kind of a grower, as the more intricate sounds and textures might not immediately pop out to you on first listen. But one of the reasons I returned to this one is because I feel like there's always something new to discover when I hear this record. Then we have 2001's Dan's Manatee. This was released a year after Spirit They're Gone. Features AV, Panda, and Geologist. They still weren't calling themselves Animal Collective at the time. This was classified as a collaborative project between the three lads. But now, in 2020, we classify it as the second Animal Collective album. This is another chaotic sounding project, as their goal for Dan's was to experiment with extreme frequencies and how they were perceived by the listener. Which means, yes, it's another album that's not so easy on the ears. But instead of trying to explain it, I'm going to read this quote from Geologist on recording Dan's Manatee. We used guitars, drums, synths, and made a bunch of sounds on mini discs and did percussion stuff on whatever was lying around. We just wanted to explore a new style of playing on record. This was after the three of us had spent most of the summer improvising and playing around with fusing song structure and noise and looking for ways to do it with fluidity. We were also interested in extreme frequencies, both low and high, and how they occupied space in the room and moved around in your heads. That record upset a lot of people, especially the people that really loved Spirit. Most people still dislike it, as we saw when Fat Cat released the two of them together. We're pretty proud of it. On the track Explode, you can hear the faintest frequency underneath the instrumentation and vocals. At least what I hear is faint, I'm not sure if it's different for others. Explode also features this hectic percussion, a low mixing on vocals, and juvenile synths. Then we have Penguin Penguin, which is an eclectic mix of free jazz drumming, odd vocals, distant guitars, and different frequencies. It's a surreal and effective opener. You pretty much know what you're going to get throughout the rest of the record when you put on this track, but I can also see it turning away a lot of listeners, as it's all over the place and the frequencies can be a bit harsh. The Living Toys is an interesting piece. It sounds like it could have been the blueprint for Two Sails on a Sound from Ark, and that's because this track is another lengthy ambient piece that mixes electronics and natural instrumentation. The difference here is that these vibrations and harsh frequencies play throughout the track. Honestly, it's enough to give you a headache. Although I did find the vibrations interesting, and you'll hear what I mean by vibrations when you listen to the track. The track, Ah, Good Country, is another ambient psychedelic piece that is less harsh on the ears as the frequencies are a bit lower and tolerable. We also have more vocal oddities from the collective, as expected, and a pulsating beat that sounds like a fast heartbeat, which gives this song a, a bit of a rhythm that's not found on a lot of these tracks. I appreciate the abstraction and experimentation on this record, although I understand it's not for everyone. 
even some songs make my head hurt more so than Spirit They're Gone. But if you're interested in their most outlandish output yet, here it is. Then we have Campfire Songs, released in March of 2003. Under a different name, they were an animal collective. They were called Campfire Songs at the time, but this is now considered the third animal collective record. Man, the continuity of this band is difficult to keep track of at times. AV, Panda, and Deacon are featured on this record, although they are not credited as AV, Panda, and Deacon. They're credited as Dune, Sia, and Sweet James, which I thought was pretty funny. This is another psychedelic folk record, and I was surprised to learn that the five songs featured on this record were played back-to-back and recorded in one take. Yes, these songs connect and they smoothly transition into each other, but I didn't think it was recorded all in one take. That's That's your fun fact. Uh, what these guys can do on a record is impressive. We can also hear nature recordings throughout this record, and that was intentional as a band wanted to create the feeling that you were there with them around a campfire. Here is Panda on the recording of this album. We had had the idea of doing something really warm and inviting sounding for a while, like three or four years at least. We wanted it to sound like a campfire, and I think that also made us think of campfire songs that you could sing with a bunch of people, and everybody gets connected and feels good and safe. It really wasn't spontaneous or improvised. We worked for a month or so to get it just right like the transitions between songs. I still think Queen of My Pictures into Doggy is one of the best things we've ever done. It is a really impressive transition as Queen of My Pictures ends with what sounds like Avi and Panda, possibly Deacon as well, creating these odd sounds with their voices and the guitar strumming getting more intense before fully transitioning into Doggy where the guitars calm down and create some more traditional sounding acoustic ballad. Well, as traditional as Animal Collective can get. The album still contains psychedelic moments, especially with the closer, De Soto De Sun, which has layered vocals, dreamy guitars, and what sounds like a storm in the background. If you loved song tongs, you're probably going to love this record, although it is a bit more abstract and one of the band's most daring projects as the compositions are longer dreamier and more psychedelic, but it is still a great collection of songs. And now finally, we have Tangerine Reef, released in 2018. This record features AV, Deacon, and Geologist. It's an ambient record and the soundtrack to a short film by the same name. This record was also in collaboration with Coral Morphologic, an art and science duo consisting of marine biologist Colin Ford and musician J.D. McKay. Now, this is an interesting record because... The way I would describe the sound is is very aquatic. There are a lot of aquatic textures on this record. And what I mean by that are the vocals sound submerged and electronics take on this watery and drowned out sound. Take the opener, for instance, Haircutter, which has a sample of water dripping. The electronics sound ethereal and AV's vocals are submerged. This is a very appropriate sound for the record, given that the film explores these aquascapes. We also have a very ominous yet relaxing track with Buxom. This song features AV's reverberated vocals. The keyboards sprinkle this delightful little tune from time to time. And what makes this track ominous is the obscured vocal sampling in the background. I can't really tell what it is, but I never really can tell when it comes to Animal Collective. I think the most interesting track here is Choral Realization, which loops these dark and heavy synths with Animal Collective's odd collection of sounds. Not a typical sound for the Collective, which makes it stand out in their discography. If you're looking for a change of pace in their discography, definitely listen to this one, as it's unlike any other, 
Animal Collective project I've heard. You might want to watch the movie with this album when listening to this record for the first time. And after Tangerine Reef, if you skipped out on Centipede Hurts, Painting With, and those two EPs, definitely listen to them now. You can even mix and match. Like I said, listen to Ark, Dance Manatee, Tangerine Reef, Centipede Hurts, Painting With, however you like. If you want to start with Ark, start with Ark. If you want to start with Dance or Centipede Hurts or Painting With, this is your chance to explore the different sounds based on your preference of Animal Collective genres and styles that they've done over the years. And if you still can't get enough Animal Collective, they released an EP this year that features all four boys, another project that is rich with aquatic textures. This EP features the down-tempo Rain and Cups, the poppy psychedelic Diddy Piggy Nose, the ambient and dreamy Soy Bear Passage, don't really know how to pronounce it. It's the third track. And the electronic banger Bridge to Quiet. And if you still can't get enough Animal Collective, I understand. I, I, I can't get enough Animal Collective either. Panda, Deacon, and Avi have released their own solo projects. Honestly, these three have put out a lot of solo projects, so I don't have time to go through all of them. But I will pick out one from each of these artists just to get you into them. First, we have Person Pitch by Panda, which was released in 2007. It's a very sample-heavy record with a lot of field recordings. If you remember, I said that Meriwether Post Pavilion was heavily inspired by this record because of Panda's heavy use of his sampler, mixing different samples to create songs. It's kind of a Plunderphonics record, which mixes you know all these samples together to create one coherent song, but I would still classify it as, as a very psychedelic record. We have these beautiful soundscapes and compositions that are still pretty catchy as well, so psychedelic pop. I would point you to the 12-minute Bros, which loops these tropical guitar arpeggios and manipulates Panda's vocals and, and layers these vocals, which results in this hypnotic and psychedelic songs. This record is an incredible work of art, a hard recommend if you love Panda's work and if you loved Murray by the Post Pavilion. Then we can move on to Deacon's 2016 record, Sleep Cycle, another psychedelic record, another very easy record to get into because you can tell Deacon is very heavily inspired by his bandmates. He's inspired by the Animal Collective sound. His songs are a bit longer and combines a lot of styles here, like the gentle and folky golden chords, the eclectic and psychedelic footy, and the warm, introspective, and melodic good house which happens to be my favorite song on the project, although Footy is a close second. Only six songs on this record, but again, the compositions are a bit longer than the average Animal Collective song. And then finally, A.V. Tear's 2019 release, Cows on Our Glass Pond, another project with very heavy aquatic textures, which makes me wonder if Tangerine Reef inspired this project sound and if that inspiration also carried on to their most recent EP, Animal Collective's most recent EP. But uh, regardless, it's also a very folksy album as a lot of songs here feature acoustic guitars like the lush and soothing Saturdays Again or the slow ballad Remember Mayan. Avi also delves into very rhythmic and atmospheric ballads like The Closer Horse or my personal favorite, Casey Yours. If you liked Feels, you'll definitely like this record, as I think A.V. perfected the sound of Feels with this record. All right, now I'm actually done with the guide. And one last time, I'll go over my list before 
ranking these records from worst to best. First, Murray Brother Post Pavilion and Fall Be Kind. Then as a bit of a detour, you can listen to Centipede Hurts, Painting With, and the two EPs, The Painters and Meaning of the Waters. Then Strawberry Jam and Water Curses EP. Then Sung Tongs, The Prospect Hummer EP, Feels, and The People EP. Then Spirit They're Gone, Spirit They Vanished. Then in any order, you can listen to Ark, Dan's Manatee, Campfire Songs, Tangerine Reef, and if you didn't listen to Centipede Hurts, Painting With, yada yada yada, listen to them here. And that is my list. That is my order. Now, let's rank these bad boys. Actually, before I begin, I should say that if you don't want your opinions on these records altered or manipulated in any way because of my opinions, you don't have to listen to this next part. I just think it'd be very fun to rank their discography from worst to best. Okay, starting off at the very bottom of my list is Tangerine Reef. I'll be honest, I wasn't really sold with a ambient project by Animal Collective, and a lot of the songs here are very bare bones. They don't do much for me. They do, I think, work well with the video, Tangerine Reef, but listening to them as an album, it's just so bland, which is awful because I know how creative they can get with their compositions, how outlandish and freakish they can get, and listening to this is just so discouraging and just awful. <laughs> All right, after that, at number 10, we have Painting With, their 2016 album. I I can't stand this record. We have very shallow instrumentation from the collective. I guess in a way I could see what they were going with. They wanted to release a more poppy release, but because of that, they sacrifice the creativity and their eccentricity that they're known for. Because of that, uh, it's just it's just an awful listen. It's really hard to get through. And I never want to listen to this record again. <laughs> and at number nine, we have Dan's Manatee. Look, I can appreciate, I've said this before, I can appreciate the abstraction and the experimentation, but when you look at the individual tracks here, a lot of them are very skeletal. Their mixing choices don't really work in their favor. I understand it was an artistic choice, but sometimes you, you really can't catch what's going on. But that's not to say they don't have a lot of great ideas on here. Esplode, Agud Country, Penguin Penguin, and La Blackie Dress are all really good. Unfortunately, this project is bogged down with a lot of songs that just fall flat. At number eight, we have Centipede Hurts. While a lot of these songs do end up falling flat for me as well, there are also a lot of moments here that are just wonderful displays of Animal Collective's creativity like on Applesauce or Newtown Burnout or Today's Supernatural. I said in the in the first part of this guide, but I would have a much easier time defending this record than painting with. However, knowing what they can experiment with in terms of frequencies, this album has nothing on like Dance of Manatee or Spirit They're Gone. At number seven, we have Campfire Songs. I really love the fact that this was recorded in one take. I love the nature recordings. I love the guitar playing. I love the vocal oddities. The problem I have with this record is that sometimes the songs feel like there's nothing going on in them. This record has its highs, but when it hits a low, it's really low. And because of it, I only returned to half of the songs on this record. Still very good. At number six, we have Feels, a very unique sounding record in the Animal Collective discography, all thanks to the odd tuning that they used throughout this record. 
also features some of their best songs, such as Did You See the Words and Grass, Banshee Beat, and The Purple Bottle. And at number five, we have Meriwether Post Pavilion, my first entry into Animal Collective. And, you know, there is a reason that I tell people to listen to Meriwether Post Pavilion first. While there is a lot of catchy and poppy melodies and songs here, it's definitely not the best representation of their creativeness, of their eccentricities. Like Lion in the Coma, I, I skip that song every time or No More Running, but it still does have its moments like In the Flowers and Summertime Clothes and Brother Sport. At number four, we have Strawberry Jam. I love this record. My second Animal Collective record, and it's actually the best example of their eccentricities mixing well with conventional pop structures. Two of my favorite songs are on this record. Actually, three. We have Fireworks, Forever and Green, and Derek. At number three, we have Sung Tongs. I'm a sucker for folk music, and this was the album that introduced me into freak folk, which has these psychedelic undertones to them. The odd vocal manipulation, the guitar playing is both eclectic and soothing at times. I know Campfire Songs did it first, but Sung Tongs really perfected that sound. Then at number two is Ark, and let me tell you, this album came pretty close to being number one. I had mentioned that this album is a grower, and I firmly believe that, as when I first heard this record, I, I didn't understand what they were doing here, but as I listen to it more and more, I can appreciate the experimentation, the soothing yet alien-sounding ambient pieces. There are a couple songs I didn't talk about as well, like Native Bell and Slippy, which are also very eclectic in both vocals and drumming. If you're like me and you like erratic drumming, if you like erratic vocal arrangements, you're going to love this album. And at number one is Spirit, They're Gone, Spirit, They Vanished. It's very rare that I love an album on first listen because I feel like I need to process how an album sounds, the lyrics, the story behind the record. But I knew that I was listening to something special the first time I heard Spirit, They're Gone, Spirit, They Vanished. And I was pretty much close to writing this record off because, again, of the harsh frequencies. It was just very strange, and I was so used to the conventional pop melodies on Meriwether, on Strawberry Jam, and Feels. But man, did that all change when I heard Alvin Rowe for the first time. What a beautiful closing track. Probably my favorite Animal Collective song. That song alone keeps me coming back to this record and making me discover new things that I didn't pick up on on my first listen. While it may not include all four members of Animal Collective, this has to be their most purest and most beautiful record to date. Okay, and with that, that has been my guide to Animal Collective. If you started listening to Animal Collective because of this guide, let me know what your favorite Animal Collective albums are. Who is your favorite member of Animal Collective? What's your favorite project? Again, you can message me on soundencounterspodcast.com or anchor.fm forward slash soundencounters. Please let me know. I love talking about Animal Collective anytime that I can get. I love this band so much. And I hope I was able to introduce you to this wonderful and weird band. All right, so that does it for this week of Sound Encounters. Remember... If you want to tell me your fondest live show memory or anything related to Animal Collective, you could send a message on soundencounterspodcast.com 
or anchor.fm forward slash sound encounters. I'm looking forward to what you have to say. Next week, we might dig into abstract hip hop. I've been listening to a lot of abstract hip hop recently. If you don't know what that is, then tune in next week as I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to talk about essential albums in that genre. Follow the Sound Encounters Twitter and Instagram at Sound Encounters. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts and it could be featured on the next episode of Sound Encounters. Do you have a question or suggestion for me? Then visit the Twitter or Anchor page and submit your question. That too could be featured on the next episode of Sound Encounters. Thank you to Soundstripe for their wonderful selection of music, which I use today. And thank you for tuning in and listening and supporting my little show here. I'm Caesar. This has been Sound Encounters, and I'll see you next week.